Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Today we're talking to the chief executive of our local enterprise partnership, who is currently overseeing half a billion pounds worth of infrastructure and capital projects, and in a previous life was principal private secretary to the deputy prime minister. On Business Brunch today, we're really pleased to welcome Philip Cox, the CEO of Cheshire and Warrington Local Enterprise Partnership. Philip, welcome to Business Brunch. Delighted to be here, Des. Really, really good to be here. Philip, as I said in your introduction, you've risen through the ranks in the civil service and prior to accepting your current role, you were uh, Principal Private Secretary to the Deputy Prime Minister. So talk us through why you chose the civil service as a career path and give us an indication of some of your responsibilities as Principal Private Secretary. Okay, well, I grew up during the the 1970s when we had an oil crisis, rampant inflation, um, and uh, and lots of uh, lots of strikes, not like not unlike uh, not unlike today, um, and that sparked my interest in economics, sparked my interest in why uh, we had these uh, had these had these problems. I then went to university and studied uh, studied economics, and then um, saw saw the opportunity to become part of uh, what is still the government economic service to be a professional economist within uh, within government, and I then worked my way through the uh, through the ranks uh, through the ranks there initially as a very technical professional uh, economist but then increasingly involved in uh, involved in policy work and ultimately being asked to become the uh, principal private secretary to the deputy prime minister which in those days was uh, was John Prescott and my job there was to really be sort of people sort of talk about being the uh, the gatekeeper if you if you like I had a team working with me, but a team of four private secretaries supported by uh, a number of uh, a number of other people. Everything that went into the deputy prime minister came through uh, came through us. We would highlight the important things that he needed to uh, to to deal with, the important sort of uh, things that people were saying in the notes that were being being put to him. We would be the people that would be conveying sort of his instructions back to the uh, department and making sure that they were that they were happening. Sort of managing his uh, managing his trips, and as a consequence, got to visit sort of a number of very interesting places uh, with him. You know, I've shaken hands with the with the Chinese Prime Minister, sort of when I was with Mr. Prescott, we've done a tour of uh, Eastern Europe when we were looking to sort of bring the Eastern European countries into into the EU. Absolutely fascinating, uh, fascinating time, uh, superb opportunity, and got to hear sort of some of the things that were going around. I was John Prescott's PPS, as it's uh, as it's shortened to in the civil service, during the final two years of his time as, as, uh, as Deputy Prime Minister, and therefore sort of, you know, quite literally was there when the transition happened from Tony Blair to uh, to Gordon uh, to Gordon Brown. When you were offered the, the job as Principal Private Secretary... How do they determine when you're ready to do that? Is it like stages that you have to achieve as as a civil servant? Um, it's not everybody becomes a a PPS. I think John Prescott in his time and he had four, um, and he was uh, he was deputy prime minister for uh, for ten for ten years. So uh, you know, and you know, he he managed. You know, he had several several thousand civil servants uh, working for him. Um, I was uh, I was approached, sort of asked if I was interested in the uh, in the role. A couple of us were were interviewed on that first occasion, a combination of John Prescott himself, but also 
you know, the permanent secretary in the department, that's the most senior official in the department, um, decided that the other candidate would be, uh, would be better suited to the role. That didn't work out because the personal chemistry is very, very important between, course, the, uh, between yeah. the DPM and, uh, and the PPS. So I, I remember being on a, uh, on a train, actually, and this, my phone rang and it was the head of personnel, Philip, sort of, can you, can you get yourself across to, uh, across to the Deputy Prime Minister's uh, office? Um, uh, have, another, have, another chat to, have another chat to him. So I had, a, I had sort of uh, a slightly surreal chat to him where, um, you know, I expected a terribly formal interview. I expected them to sort of say, well, we need to go away and think about this. And sort of, uh, um, I think the conclusion of the interview, he said, well, I'll just see you on Monday morning then, you know. So that was that. So <laughs> that a wonderful that. Yes, opportunity absolutely. for you. Yes. Uh, and you joined, uh, then moving on, you joined the Cheshire and Warrington LEP in 2014. So talk us through why you decided to move from the civil service uh, and give us an overview of the function of LEPs in the UK. OK, well, there was a there was an intervening role between being sort of John Prescott's principal private secretary and joining the uh, joining the local enterprise partnership. I was for a few years uh, the director for local economies in what was then the Department for Communities and Local Government is now the uh, Department for Leveling uh, Leveling Leveling Up. And in that time, it was my role to oversee everything that was being done nationally to contribute towards sort of local economic development. Um, but one of the things I was conscious of at that time was that I was sitting in Whitehall, you know, hearing people talk about, you know, what was really, really important in Crewe or in Hartlepool or in, uh, or in, or in somewhere in Cornwall and not really understanding enough about the detail and being very conscious of not understanding the detail of what was going on in those, uh, in those places. So I made the decision to look around um, and get out and do something more more local um you know i wanted to be you know at that coalface uh, uh, and delivering stuff so this opportunity came up in uh, cheshire and warrington i applied i was properly and formally interviewed and the, so at the end of that interview they said well, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go away and think about it and let you uh, and let you uh, let you know but i was lucky enough to be offered the uh, offered the role um and i was absolutely delighted when i think my very very first presentation to people within uh, within cheshire and warrington i was able to announce that we had secured something like 120 million pounds um, to go on uh, infrastructure development in uh, in Cheshire and uh, Cheshire and Warrington um, and then as you mentioned we got sort of uh, increasingly large amounts of money until ultimately we got to the stage where um, yeah we've put we, we, we've helped create something like half a billion pounds worth of infrastructure development within the uh, within the area and that area covers Cheshire West Cheshire East and also the uh, Warrington Warrington area but that's not the only thing we do that we do do we are predominantly the voice of business within uh, within within the area. So, you know, we're also responsible for uh, skills, and we we run some skills programs. We have been responsible for producing a strategic infrastructure uh, transport plan, rather, for the uh, for the area. Um, we have been responsible for um, setting up and running what's known as a sustainable and inclusive growth commission, which is um, a group of very very eminent local people who've spent two years thinking about how we deliver um, genuinely sustainable, genuinely inclusive growth within the uh, within the area and then advising the local authorities on some of the measures that they should be putting in place to make. Uh, Philip, it's your job to work with the board to deliver the LEP's mission to, to make Cheshire and Warrington the healthiest, most sustainable, inclusive and growing economy in the UK. So 
Share with us how you develop your strategic plan and uh, prioritise areas for investment in order to fulfil the LEP's mission. Well, I think it's a, a combination of, uh, of a couple of things. I mean, firstly, you know, we make sure that we understand what is going on within the uh, within the Cheshire and Warrington uh, economy. And very often getting that understanding sort of reveals some really quite surprising, surprising things about the area. Um, I certainly didn't know, for example, that 25% of the Cheshire and Warrington economy is uh, manufacturing. Typically, um, only about 10% of the UK is manufacturing. And, you know, few people when they come to Cheshire think of Cheshire as being an industrial economy. So that's one of the things that, you know, that we've found, uh, we've found out. So there's a lot of just kind of gathering of economic data. But then, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, our Sustainable and Inclusive Growth Commission, listening to uh, sort of influential, um, highly knowledgeable, highly skilled people about where they think the priorities should uh, should uh, should lie. Um, and then also, I think there's something here about uh, listening to central government as, uh, as, as well, um, where the government's priorities are for the uh, for the national economy. And actually, you know, within Cheshire Warrington, we're blessed with having two real areas of expertise uh, and experience. Um, one is in the life sciences sector, and um, you know we had the headquarters of AstraZeneca. You know, beta blockers were uh, discovered in uh, in 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 Cheshire, um, and the Audley Park where AstraZeneca was uh, was located. Um, that we've now turned into a sort of a life sciences hub for two hundred companies, with the government bit thinking that life sciences is a sort of a key a key uh, key priority for the UK economy, and therefore prepared to help us. With the sort of the funding and the development of those of those areas, and then the other area is um, is clean is clean energy, um, where we've got a tremendous cluster of clean energy companies uh, towards the Ellesmere Port area, a little way from uh, a little way from uh, from Crewe, but uh, government has recently uh, awarded one billion pounds to. Uh, Hynet. Hynet is going to be one of the first uh, companies in the world, uh, well, certainly one of the first companies in the UK, to create large amounts of uh, large amounts of hydrogen. With hydrogen being one of the one of the ways that we will decarbonise our uh, our area. So I think you know you bring all those you you identify through the economic data and through talking to your experts. That those are your areas of expertise. You then focus on uh, you focus on focus on those, and obviously you don't just do those. I mean, there's lots of other things that we uh, do as well. HS2 would be another huge opportunity. So you know, working with Cheshire East Council and uh, the government uh, to sort of you know make sure that we're exploiting the benefits that HS2 will bring to the uh, bring to the area as well. So it's, it's putting those three things together and sort of uh, determining the strategy through that. Philip, an important aspect of the LEP is the Growth Hub, so outline some of its main features and talk us through how local businesses have benefited from its support. Okay, well, the Growth Hub is directly funded by the government's uh, business uh, business department, and we get a certain amount of money every year to provide a you know a business advice, support, and also a business intelligence service, bringing intelligence into us, so that we can use that uh, use what we're learning about businesses to uh, influence the government's policy and also the local authorities' policy towards the uh, towards the economy. 
it really came into its own during the uh, during the pandemic. At that stage, uh, the government doubled the amount of funding that it was giving us uh, for the uh, for the growth hub. Um, and what we were able to do then was provide direct support to several thousand uh, several thousand companies companies that were ringing up certainly in the early days of the pandemic, saying, "Government has just told me I've got to shut my business. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills." And we could then sort of direct them to where the grants were available. Um, we had some businesses coming to us saying, look, the government said we can get a loan for some of this, but I've been to my bank and the bank won't give me a coronavirus loan. So we would then sit down with them, go back through their accounts, sort of explain how they could be represented, possibly then send them off to another uh, another lender. And then they would come back and they would get those uh, get those loans. A bit later on during the pandemic, the government uh, gave a load of grants to uh, companies. It was surprisingly difficult to find uh, find some of the companies that were entitled to some of those uh, some of those grants. And in in one or two cases, we resorted to uh, using uh, using Google Earth to see if we could um, see a picture on a uh, on a on a window and see the see the telephone number so we could ring this company up. And uh, <laughs> but you can imagine how some companies how some people react acted when you know, hello we're from the Cheshire Warrington Growth Hub and if you give us your bank details we'll put £10,000 into it you know so you're normally told to ignore those sorts of calls aren't you so but those are some of the things that uh, that it does um, more recently obviously the pandemic is over and we're through Brexit because that was one of the other things that the government was using us uh, using growth hubs for was to get information about how uh, Brexit was hitting uh, hitting companies so we've reduced the we've we've been the money's been sort of brought back down to its uh, previous level, so if we've reduced, had to reduce the size of the uh, size of the growth hub, um, and now it's predominantly about keeping in touch with uh, companies, providing some signposting to uh, the support that they can uh, that they can receive, uh, but also then, as I mentioned earlier, collecting in that business intelligence, understanding what's really hitting uh, hitting companies feeding that into some of the thinking that we're doing about the sort of the pol economic policies we should have in this area. But then on top of that, also then feeding some of that back into uh, back into government. So, you know, what's really, really interesting at the moment is that, yeah, huge energy cost crisis. But if you talk to businesses, what they'll normally, if you say to them, what are the things that are hurting you most at the moment? They say difficulty recruiting and energy costs. But what is really, really interesting about that is actually they lead off with difficulty in recruiting not with the uh, not with the not with the energy costs, and that just tells you that actually, you know, despite all of the attention in the press, those recruitment challenges really, really are there. And then back to that economic data I was talking about a bit earlier. At the moment, believe it or not, there are more people employed in Cheshire and Warrington, and that's not that's just employed by companies, not the self-employed. There are more people employed than we've got people of working age in this uh, in this in this area, um, and the only way that we're keeping those jobs filled. Is by bringing in from pe people in from the surrounding uh, the surrounding areas, and again, that's possibly something that people don't realise. It's a national issue, isn't it? There aren't enough people in the job pool at the moment. Exactly. Yes. Podcasts from the cat. Philip, in the in the latter half of the twentieth century, there was a sea change in the UK's manufacturing sector, as we witnessed the demise of the steel industry and many other major manufacturers. However, this appears to be in reverse now. So, share with us how the LEP has helped with this resurgence of manufacturing in Cheshire and Warrington. Uh, well, as I mentioned uh, mentioned earlier, we've got an extremely strong manufacturing uh, sector in the in Cheshire and Warrington. Twenty five percent 
of everything that we produce in this uh, in this area comes out of the manufacturing sector. People will be very familiar with uh, you know Bentley, sort of Morflake uh, Morflake Oats in uh, in Crewe. Um, you've got the Standard Oil Refinery um, up in Ellesmere up in Ellesmere Port, and out at Macclesfield, um, you've got AstraZeneca's Hertzfield plant, which on its own. Uh, manufactures drugs that are worth uh, something like 0.8% of the UK's, uh, UK's UK's exports. So it's an incredibly strong sector uh, in this uh, in this area. Our job is to is to support it. There are there are some big manufacturers uh, manufacturers there, um, sort of working in export markets, and our job is to really work with them to understand sort of some of the uh, some of the challenges that they are uh, they are facing. One of those challenges, as we talked earlier, is um, is recruiting uh, recruiting staff and recruiting skilled staff. So we run a series of uh, skills programs to help uh, ensure that there are enough people with the right skills in the uh, in the area. Obviously, Stanlow and some of the industries around uh, around Ellesmere Port heavily reliant on very carbon intensive uh, uh, technology. Um, us working with Hynet, the hydrogen producer, but others to help them transition into uh, a carbon carbon free future. We were heavily involved with Cheshire West Council and the government in um, securing the um, first all electric van plant, which is going to be uh, in Ellesmere Port with Vauxhall. Vauxhall sort of uh, taking the uh, uh, ceasing production of the Astra. Real worry about uh, at Ellesmere Port. Real worry about what that was going to do to the uh, do to the area, but then sort of you know securing that van with you know, the direct involvement in the, the of the LEP in doing uh, in doing in doing that. Obviously, sort of you know talking to Bentley about you know their plans. They've been expanding their uh, their plant you know, to such an extent that you know many people in crew will be aware that sort of uh, uh, you know roads have been closed to allow that to allow that plant to uh, to expand. And we're actively talking to them about how they can realise their vision of uh, completely decarbonising their operations over the next uh, over the next over the next few years. And it's all about helping that 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 transition, that development, moving into sort of the uh, keeping them keeping them. Sort of ahead of the uh, ahead of the game, if you like, I think is probably the probably the best way of putting it. Philip, our government's integrated rail plan has seen the largest ever investment in the British rail network, and Crew Station is uh, set to become a HS2 super hub. So, talk us through the LEP's involvement in this development. Well, government has been talking about HS2 for a long, long time. As you mentioned, I came up here in 20, 2014. The government was already, you know, when I was still in Whitehall, talking about how the areas that were going to get stations on the uh, on the line should, um, you know, should work to take advantage of of of, of that investment. Um, so the LEP was heavily involved with the Cheshire East Council, Cheshire West Council, but also the councils in uh, Staffordshire in an original sort of constellation growth plan that would cover the whole of uh, South Cheshire and, uh, and North Staffordshire and ensuring that the benefits spread across uh, across that. Some of the ideas in that have now sort of, uh, featured in the uh, in the work that the individual councils are taking forward with the um, with the government. Um, our role as the LEP is to look at this look at this regionally. So we're very interested in Crew Station from the perspective as you say of it being a super hub. Making sure that the uh, you know with with Cheshire East Council, trying to make sure that the development there provides us with a hub where people can change trains very very easily, get sort of really good services. They've got a sort of so that can get out to Chester, 
out, out to Nantwich, up to Sandbatch, sort of places like that. So we spread the benefits of HS2 across the uh, across the area. Now there are uh, sort of certainly people sort of north of Crewe. Many people north of Crewe are are opposed to HS2, and that's understandable. HS2 will sort of uh, come across the countryside that they that they love. Um, but you know the the position that the LEP takes on that is that you know the government appears to committed to doing this, and therefore it's really really important that we exploit the uh, exploit the benefits. There will be a large depot just to the north of uh, just to the north of Crewe. Thinking about the jobs that that will create, the skilled jobs that that will create, and how we can uh, how we can exploit those. And then if you go a bit further north to uh, to Warrington, then it looks likely that uh, HS2. And uh, Northern Powerhouse Rail, um, which is the line that runs sort of from Liverpool and Crewe across to across the Pennines, uh, as far across as Hull, um, it looks as if Warrington will be the hub between uh, Northern Powerhouse Rail and uh, and HS2. Earlier days on that development than there are at than it is at Crewe, um, but thinking about how we uh, how we get the benefit the best benefits from uh, from that. So we're seeing this strategically, sub regionally, sort of working with. That, that instance is the three local authorities. But also, let's not forget, there's going to be a new station at Manchester Airport. That's right on the boundary between Cheshire East and Manchester. And thinking about the uh, the impact that will have. And again, how we can exploit the benefits of uh, that. HS2 is a huge economic opportunity for the, uh, for the area. Um, and it's our job to sort of stand back, see the, uh, see the sort of the full strategic picture and then work with the local authorities, but also with the government to, uh, to ensure that those benefits are realised. Philip, research and development is important for businesses because it provides powerful knowledge and insights leading to efficiencies, new products and services. So uh, share with us how the Local Enterprise Partnership helps businesses focus on R&D. OK, well, our job there is to is to sort of facilitate to facilitate that obviously we have uh, a lot of conversations with the um, with innovate uk which is the government's uh, innovation uh, innovation arm but also with the business department which is sort of overseas innovate uh, innovate uk um, and we've done a number of uh, a number of things um, you know obvious r&d i mean r&d is not just Sort of uh, men and women in white coats, sort of pouring, uh, pouring stuff into, uh, sort of pouring stuff into chest tubes. It's much more than that. But you know, in the kind of pouring stuff into chest tubes vein, um, I mentioned earlier Audley Park, where we now have two hundred pretty vibrant uh, life science, uh, life science companies. Um, the way that we've been facilitating the development there is that we've worked with uh, Brompwood, who are the new, relatively new owners of, uh, of Audley, uh, Audley Park. We, we bought it off Astra, AstraZeneca, um, and we've been helping them turn it from sort of a, uh, a research base for AstraZeneca into that uh, into a into a place that sort of uh, uh, works well with 200 companies i was at the launch of some new labs which were part, partly funded through the uh, through the lab so we're providing the facilities you know if you've got a lab you know lab space is really hard to get a you know a, a life science company surprisingly enough doesn't need a lab sort of 24 hours a day they perhaps need it one day a week or they perhaps need it for a couple of weeks while they test something out and then go and analyze the analyze the results so they need labs that they could they could hire uh, as and when they need it we've helped provide uh, we've helped provide uh, provide those um, and then you know if we go down to the sort of the the other end of the uh, other end of the county 
you know, the, the research and development is research and development into new forms of uh, new forms of energy. That's not sort of people in uh, people in white coats. That's sort of that's engineers at uh, at laptops and uh, um, and ultimately you know engineers out building uh, building things again. We've uh, we've been facilitating by you know helping with the cost, for example, of a really really innovative uh, um, plastic waste plastic to hydrogen plant um, at uh, the Protoss development uh, close to uh, close to close to Stanlow and other developments like that in that uh, in that in that area. So it's about providing the facilities, providing the sort of if you like the underpinning infrastructure that then allows the companies to do that R and D and makes it makes it possible for them to uh, to do it. And clearly working as, as we see the county growing. Absolutely, yes, it certainly is. Yes, Philip, you've you've developed links with several local groups, and you're currently working on strengthening these links. So tell us about them and why they're important to Cheshire and Warrington LEP. Okay, well, ultimately, everything we are doing is for the benefit of uh, of local of local people. Um, so it's really, really important that as we set our economic strategy, as we advise our local authorities, as we advise central government on some of the priorities for the area, that we actually understand what some of those priorities are. Um, so um, we try to engage as as much as possible with uh, with local with local groups. Um, you know, chambers of commerce, for example. Um, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier that when you talk to businesses, they you know, when you ask them what the current challenges are, you expect them to say energy, but they also say recruitment. Now, that's that was actually a conversation with uh, Paul Coleman, who is the chief executive of the South Cheshire Chamber of Commerce, which is based in uh, based in Crewe. Um, and it's those insights that they don't come through the data. Uh, the problem with data is it's often you know can be up to two years out of out of date, which um, the economy and the world is moving so fast that that it that the data can't keep up. So you've got to talk to people. We talk to the Cheshire Association of Local local Councils, which are all the parish and town groups of, uh, the, the group that brings together all the parish and town councils. So we talk to them on a regular basis, understand sort of the issues that are worrying uh, parish, uh, parish councillors. The Cheshire Community Foundation, which is an umbrella group for all of the uh, local charities, is sort of a regular uh, regular attendee at some of our uh, some of our some of our meetings. So we're understanding what's happening in the charity uh, charity sector, and obviously we talk to the local councils, we talk um, national uh, national government. Um, there are a number of other groups. We have sort of regular meetings, which um, you know we, we we're represented on the Crew Town Board, for example, which is a board that sort of brings together businesses, the parish, the uh, the town council, a number of others that are sort of looking at the um, looking at the redevelopment of of, of, of Crew and you know the Crew Market Hall and uh, and so on and so forth. The Crew Market Hall being something else that sort of benefited from funding from uh, from the uh, from the LEP. So it's talking to all of those people and just sort of understanding and hearing from them what they're uh, what they're saying and very often it's not just what one person says you talk to lots of people you hear common themes coming through and you realize that these are the things that are really affecting business and then you try and do something about them. Philip thank you for coming on the cat today. Absolutely delighted really good to be here thank you. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.